What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. to football we are back on youtube baby so go check it out on the bleach report youtube channel mellows here connor's here we're gonna talk about everything that's happening in the world of the nfl draft we're gonna give you our top 32 big boards and close the show out with draft on draft but mellow read the news for me you buddy. just want me doing this all the time yeah uh january 4th i believe that is tomorrow when you are listening to this that is on saturday we are doing a kansas city meetup matt and i will be at char bar at 1 p.m uh with a lot of different kind of kansas area kansas city area guys let's try that one again uh, there to talk football with us not just kansas city chiefs uh, i'm sure that most of our listeners who are going to be attending will be chiefs fans but I think we can get away with talking about different topics, too. And if you also, if you want to, great meetup opportunity, January 20th and 22nd, the best meetup of the year. It will be at Draft Picks in Mobile, Alabama. You just wanted to hear the accent. I did. I want to hear it. I get it now. Uh, Best meetups that we do. With stick to football. You have to come there. Uh, draft picks. Show up early. I think we're going to have a crowd this year. And then February 1st, we will be in Florida for the Super Bowl that is in Miami. Um, I don't know what we'll be doing for that one, but it's in Miami. So it'll be fun. Dress casually. Prepare to drink. Hey, Connor, you're going to have the short sleeve shirt on for sure, right? got to have it on. There's no Floral other prints. All day. Uh, I need to start working out again, just getting ready for Florida. Uh, It is going to be wild. All right, let's jump into the show. Like I said, we're going to give you the updates. You heard the Wednesday morning show. We got you updated on a lot of the the players declaring and not declaring for the draft, some coaching rumors. Uh, And since then, John Dorsey has amicably, I guess, broke up with the Cleveland Browns. Maybe they fired him. Maybe they didn't. But this is interesting because the Browns are now, once again, guys, pushing the reset button. The Haslam family, Jimmy Haslam, is set as owners, they're saying, let's try this another way. And one thing that we've heard for weeks is that Paul DePodesta, who if you're a baseball fan, that name sounds familiar. If you're a movie fan, Jonah Hill played this guy basically in Moneyball. But Paul (laughs) DePodesta is taking a big uh, controlling interest in this team, how the football structure is ran. But guys, I think this is interesting. DePodesta does not live in Cleveland and is not willing to live there full-time. So the the expectation around the league is that he's not going to become the general manager. But one thing that I've seen... Uh, folks reporting and something I've even heard behind the scenes is that the the guys that he wanted them to hire were like Sean McDermott, Kevin Stefanski, some of the guys who are the you know best coaches at what they're doing in the NFL right now. But Dorsey or Sashi Brown before him wouldn't pull the trigger on those hires. I think Josh McDaniel's a name to watch here. I think Kevin Stefanski is definitely a name to watch. We could see Andrew Barry get this GM job with Paul DePodesta in a, a, a team president type role, but. I think it's notable, Melo Connor, because the Browns, again, are resetting two years after they hired John Dorsey. And we all praised that with Elliot Wolf and Alonzo Highsmith. It didn't work. Couldn't get it done. They're starting over. I mean, they bring in a lot of stars under John Dorsey. But again, kind of what you saw with him in Kansas City, there's not a lot of depth to that team. The offensive line is just shot right now. Uh, so it looks good on paper when you bring in guys like Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry. Uh, had a good draft with Nick Chubb, able to pick him up. Baker Mayfield first overall. But they need somebody in there that can build some depth and a real team, not just you know Madden building where you're just pulling in uh, the big-name stars. I don't know who they go with next. I think that Cleveland is probably going to struggle to fill both the head coaching job uh, and the GM job, but we'll see. Uh, Not a lot of people wanting to live in Cleveland. I know I don't, but for the right amount of money, I'll live anywhere. Yeah, I think when you look at what went wrong here, it it really is about 
you know, not the first 15 to 20 players on the roster. It was what was behind them. They did make a lot of splash moves, a lot of bold moves. We're going to see how the Baker Mayfield pick pans out. You know, year one looked really good. Year two did not look good at all. So that's a big question mark. And I think Odell Beckham this year did not bring to the table what a lot of people had hoped for. Still think Odell's a great player, but let's be real. There's been a lot of swings and misses from Dorsey. But this is probably more about the relationships in the building and what went wrong. And and when you look at Dee Podesta, uh, I'm biased. I love him because he was the guy that was in charge of scouting and player development that got the Mets to a World Series in 2015. Everywhere this guy goes, it seems like there is some success with that. Now, is he ready to run a football team or lead that kind of search? That remains to be seen. But it is interesting that the Browns, it felt like finally there was stability, and once again, it's all gone. Yeah, and I'm going to lead right into the next nugget on our rundown here. When you're talking about the the general manager and the head coach, you have to wonder, are you going to be limited to people who believe in Baker Mayfield? He was the number one pick in the 2018 NFL Draft. So whether it's Josh McDaniels or Kevin Stefanski or Robert Sala, whoever you're bringing in, and the same for the general manager position, does it have to be someone who believes in Baker Mayfield? And I think Andrew Barry is interesting because this is someone who is a pretty good marriage internally of analytics and scouting. And I, I think we've talked about this before. The analytic community loved Baker Mayfield. And so with Andrew Barry, you feel like, okay, maybe you're getting a guy who is is going to be on board with that. Um, someone who is with the Eagles right now as the VP of football operations. So I, I think that, that that is interesting. Will this be a situation where you're basically mandated? Okay, you you have to work with Baker Mayfield. Everything we're doing right now is to get him to where we saw him at times in his rookie season. And like you said, Odell didn't get the most out of him. I think injuries to blame for that, but... It's a Browns team. I mean, they lacked discipline, but also outside of Nick Chubb, no one lived up to expectations. Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams can't stay healthy. Miles Garrett gets suspended. Uh, Olivier Vernon didn't really do much. And no one, David Njoku apparently wants out of there completely. It's just a team that when we looked at them before the year, guys, it was like, you know, the offensive line was kind of patchwork, but they didn't really have a weakness. Now we look at them four months later, and it's like, God, all these players we expected to be great did not take that next step. And as we have here in the rundown, will Urban Meyer have interest here? There's been rumors that he's feeling that coaching itch again. He's passed now all the college openings that were there that would have intrigued him. So the NFL does make some sense. We see the Browns job open, the Cowboys job maybe open. I don't know what the fuck's going on there. But is Urban Meyer, I'll just say, I'm not going to pose the question. Urban Meyer is not someone I would want to hire for the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. He's probably not somebody I would want to hire in the NFL either. If I was an athletic director, my football job opened up, Urban Meyer would probably be one of the first guys I called if I wanted to win a national championship. I just, we've said it all week on Stick to Football. I don't know if what he does best is going to play in the NFL but the Browns have a really strong interest in him is what the report says. So I think that they're probably calling him. They're probably trying to get him to interview for this job. And I've also seen reports that they want to hire the head coach first and then try to pair a general manager with the head coach. I, I do think that's the right direction to go. I just don't know that Urban Meyer is the guy that I want to you know hitch my wagon to. If you're hiring Urban, I think a couple of things have to be under consideration. One, He's going to be like the de facto GM. He's going to be one of those head coaching hires where you're giving him so much control to do things his way, his way to build a program. I think another thing is here, if things don't go right in the first year or two, he'll just walk away. So it's not like that's why we've seen it before. We've seen it so many times where if you go get a guy like Matt Rule, Lincoln Riley. Now I know Rule already denied the Browns. Lincoln Riley, Lincoln Riley is not going to Cleveland. Those guys are in it to build a program for the long haul. I think the risk with Urban is that that's not there. So he might be trying to get one more big payday, take a stab at the NFL, see if he have success there. I don't like that match at all. And if we're wrong, we're wrong. But I think the Browns need to do things a little bit, you know, kind of old school here and get somebody that you believe in. I know Josh McDaniel's name has been thrown out there. I don't know if he's going to Cleveland, though. That, that's another one that seems like a big reach. Yeah, and it's funny, guys, because what we've said about Cleveland all year was, oh, this is a team that lacks discipline. They need structure. They need culture. 
You're going to tell me Urban Meyer's the guy you're going to hire to instill culture? Look at his Florida team where, like, almost everyone is now dead or in jail. Like, Jesus. Come or on. Tim Tebow. Right? Like, that's yeah, it. Like, that's there's the, the only one. choice but, like, you get. I don't think that Urban Meyer's the guy that you really are. He's not on the top of my list of, like, let's get someone to come in here and, like, really, you know, hunker down and turn this franchise around. Uh, splashy hire, but one I, I'm not a huge fan of. Now, as far as the 2020 NFL draft goes, we've seen a lot of interesting decisions as of late. The biggest one that we're waiting for, outside of some senior bowl commitments, is what Alabama quarterback Tua Tungavailoa will do. And Tua said uh, on Thursday, Wednesday night, excuse me, that he would announce his decision on Monday, January 6th. So I know what we're going to be talking about on the Tuesday morning edition of Stick to Football. It will be Tua's decision. And I'm excited to see what he what he does. And I'll, I'll be upfront and honest with our listeners and our viewers. I don't know. Generally, I have a pretty good feel for what players are doing. With Tua, I've heard it both ways. As of Thursday afternoon at 4.40 p.m. Central Time, I'll tell you, uh, the latest I've heard is that he's leaning toward going back. But a lot can change in the next four or five days. Yeah, I, I actually get the vibe, too. I haven't heard anything. I don't know of any reports. But I get the vibe that this is a guy that wants to return to Alabama. Uh, it seems like he really likes college football. I, I think that he could be the first domino to fall. I mean, Alabama tweeted it out not too long ago that the domino is falling. I think that he could return. I think that they're looking at probably a pretty big insurance policy, like the shit show we saw with Dylan Moses on Thursday. I think they could be looking to insure him for a significant amount of money. He's probably, I mean, Nick Saban kind of talked about how he got a top 15 uh, draft grade. So he's going to be able to do Whatever that, that insurance is. wise. Yeah. Right. So I, I think that they're looking at that and probably have already figured it out. He has a doctor's appointment today. Two of us, as we're talking, uh, to make sure everything's good with the hip. Uh, I think that he's probably going to get good news from that doctor's appointment. And on Monday, he's probably going to announce that he's going back to Alabama. I will say, with those insurance policies, I know we talk about them and we have to talk about them. And you mentioned the Dylan Moses situation, which, if you missed it, Dylan Moses uh, said he was going back to Alabama. And then, apparently, his father, who's a lawyer, on Thursday, hacked Dylan's Instagram account, basically. Yeah, geez, his majesty, Dylan Moses. And they put out this statement that's really weird and just says that really that Dylan doesn't have the ability to make his decision on his own, whether he's going to the NFL or not, and that they were evaluating everything. But these insurance policies, listen, it's like Vegas. There's a reason reason they're building these massive casinos is because they usually win. It's the same with these insurance policies. Jalen Smith, who is the most clear-cut example of a player falling in the draft because of injury, had a hard time getting his injury payout. From the insurance companies. So I wouldn't just look at it and say, like, oh, Dylan Moses hurt his knee. He's going to fall in the draft and he's going to get his payout. It's not that simple. I think it's very hard to prove that that was the sole reason you fell in the draft. So with Tua, yeah, he's going to have a policy, whether it's this year. I'm sure he had one. He would have a big one next year. But I think those things are just very is hard to get paid, out. paid for. The school is allowed to pay your premium. Yes. How's that not an NCAA violation? Yeah, that's really yeah. bizarre. Uh, because the NCAA wants these guys to come back to school, so they're allowing for that to happen. But, Connor, if you're Tua, if you're Dylan Moses, where's your head at on this? I get the fuck out is what I do and go to the NFL. <laughs> I don't even think this is like – I can't believe it's come down to this, to be honest with you. Dylan Moses, here's the thing. He didn't play this year. He probably would have been a first-round pick. I think it said he got a second-round back. I understand it a little more if he goes back to school because the guy's a great player and he could show teams, you know, that I am a great college player and solidify himself as this top 15, top 10 pick for the following year in the draft. Hopefully go win a national title at Alabama, get a couple awards. I understand all of that. Tua does, is not granted the luxury where he's going to step on the field next year and he's going to cement himself as a top five pick. He's going to be joining a draft class with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. How can he step on a college field again and risk injury again? I don't understand this at all. You're going to be a first-round pick this year. Whether that is in the top 10 or whether that's in the top 20, it's millions and millions of dollars. He cannot pass that up. Go into the draft. If you have to do your rehab with an NFL team, that's great. It's an NFL team. They're going to invest in you. They're not going to rush you back on the field. You're going to make millions of dollars. I just I can't even fathom Tua going back to school. I th- and you have to do what's best for you, and I don't like speaking for what's best for other people, the people that are not me. But on the outside looking in, I cannot even fathom Tua going back for another year in college football playing for free. 
Yeah, and Nick Saban, I think some of the best that his recruiting, some of the best recruiting we've seen him do is internally. Alex Leatherwood is going back. So you got your left tackle coming back. He doesn't need to. uh, I agree. But like Raekwon Davis last year, you know, these are guys who could probably be a second-round pick, but instead they're going back to Alabama to try to improve their stock. So I think he's done a good job. One surprise, guys. Cole Komet, the tight end from Notre Dame, back in November posted on his, uh, social media that he was coming back to Notre Dame. He was going to play baseball. And so we all deleted him off our big boards. Well, Thursday, Cole Komet declared for the NFL draft. So Out of nowhere. Out of thanks a lot, left man. field, for your baseball analogy, he is my top-rated tight end in this class. When we get into our top 32 big boards, you'll see just how highly I have him rated. But, guys, I think Cole Komet is exactly what the New England Patriots need. He's what the Green Bay Packers need. Those teams at the end of round one uh, who have a big tight end need are going to be all over this guy. Yeah, I agree, and I did delete him as well off my big board. Had to go in and patch him back in there today, so I haven't watched a lot of tape on him. I've been trying to watch some of these other guys and look at the tight end class even specifically, but he hasn't been on there, so... He's going to make my top 32, but I haven't done a lot of work on him yet. I'm excited to watch more because whenever I watch this football team, this guy stands out. He is a round one tight end for me, and he's somebody that this tight end class really needed. Let's be real. I mean, the one guy I was excited about is Hunter Bryant, and he's a chess piece kind of player. He's not this inline, going to block tight end. He's an athlete. He's a round two kind of athlete at the position. So I think this is a great addition for this draft class, and, and I'm really excited to see him go through the process now i thought that was the last nugget guys but i just saw on twitter uh get ready for this ohio state's punter has announced he's going back to school and he's awesome check out check out his twitter though no it's great yeah drew chrisman uh he does like bottle flips except for he's a punter so he kicks all of them i mean i followed him today it's some pretty cool stuff that he's doing so I'm excited that he's going back to Ohio State. Uh, it's too bad that he can't have a YouTube channel and make some money off of it. Right. His Twitter is fantastic. Why flip it when you can kick it? Uh, he's great. He'll be back flipping the field for the Buckeyes next year. Let's take a break. When we come back, our top 32 big boards. We are back, and we're going to break down the big boards. It's time for all three of us to unveil our big boards. Uh, if you guys saw in the Bleach Report app this week, I put out a mock draft and my big board. But as it's that time of year, we're always updating these things as we were sitting down this evening i was complaining about how like god i gotta move that guy up he's too low and it's just it's that time when you start putting grades on players when we start getting a full look at the class with guys declaring and and announcing they're going back to school we're getting a very full picture of the 2020 class and i am up first to give you one through 16 is that right or 32 to 17 okay i'm gonna 32 to 17 i like to work backward so I want to I want to cheat. I, I feel like I can do this. I want to say 34 players because I could not fit. I couldn't do it. I couldn't get it down oh, to 32. On. Here's the reason. I have Justin Boo. Jefferson at 34. Okay. I have KJ Hamler at 33 and I have Zach Bond at 32. Those are three of my favorite players in the entire class. And I couldn't like I couldn't split the tie to get them all in. So there's 34 to 32. All right, 31 Ashton Davis, safety from Cal. Number 30 Cole Komet, tight end from Notre Dame. 29 Xavier McKinney, safety from Alabama. 28 Kalevon Chase on edge from LSU. 27 Justin Herbert, quarterback from Oregon. 26 Yidor Grosmados, edge from Penn State. 25 Devonta Smith, wide receiver Alabama, who might go back to school. Number 24 Lavisca Shaynault, wide receiver Colorado. 23 Christian Fulton, corner LSU. And a, a little secret here: I have three corners tied. You guys know I do this. I'm waiting for the tiebreaker as we get into the process. So I have C.J. Henderson, Paul Sanadibo, and Christian Fulton tied. So 21, 22, 23. Number 20, Terrell Lewis, edge from Alabama. Number 19, DeAndre Swift, running back Georgia. Number 18, J.K. Dobbins, running back Ohio State. And number 17, my last one here, Kenneth Murray, linebacker from Oklahoma. Now, the way this works is Mello and Connor now get to rip apart my board. Hey, talk me into Justin Herbert because I have him much lower. Same. I don't feel, he, didn't, he didn't make mine. I don't feel like he's a first-round quarter. I, he's going to be drafted in the first round. Right. Uh, probably six overall. But what do you see from him that puts him in your top 32? I have a hard time with Justin Herbert because I feel like it's you can watch him play. Like the Rose Bowl. There are throws and there are plays that he makes with his feet where I'm like, 
God damn, that's a number one quarterback. Like that's that is a franchise quarterback. Then there are plays like the screen pass where I want to punch him through the TV. So it's hard for me. And I, I admit there are a lot of plays with him where he misses wide open throws. He doesn't get to his second or third progression. I think my hope with Justin Herbert is that he can be like a Josh Allen where you can get him in the NFL. And if you put him in a system that will take advantage of his strengths, he can be good serviceable even. And so I think with his size, his athleticism, his arm strength, what he can do when the pocket breaks down, if you surround him with some weapons, and I think if there's a knock to Oregon's offense, great offensive line, and I like C.J. Verdell, the receivers were not very good. There are a lot of drop passes. Justin Herbert doesn't turn the ball over. I think that's one plus to his game. Um, He's just got to be a little bit quicker as a processor. But you know what? Those are a lot of the things I said about Carson Wentz. And I I don't think that Justin Herbert is there from a a leadership standpoint, but I don't know that we should knock his toughness. I I think it's just kind of an odd dude. So for me, the traits are good enough that I wouldn't draft him at six or seven overall. That's what I was going to say. I probably wouldn't draft him. If I'm the Colts, maybe you think about it. Like, I think middle around one. But What if you're sitting there at Tampa Bay, though? I mean, yeah, what's that, 15 overall? 14. 14? Yeah, 14. Uh, I wouldn't feel great about it because that's your job. If you take a quarterback in the first round, it's your job. Where I have him at like 27, if the Patriots drafted this guy to be the, the next you know quarterback there, that's one thing. you know, Or, or if the Saints did, that's another thing. I, I'm not investing a top 10 pick in this dude, though. I like on the flip. A lot of Colts fans have been talking about quarterbacks. They have the second pick in the second round. I think that is where they probably use that pick to get a quarterback. I don't think Justin Herbert will be there. Uh, but that also kind of pushes these guys down because I don't think that the Colts are a team that's going to be targeting a quarterback in the first round. Tampa Bay might actually bring back Jameis Winston. I think after you get through six and seven, we're probably going to see no more quarterbacks until you're talking about teams like, you know, maybe the Saints at the back end of it or the, you know, the Patriots. But uh, I agree with that one. Connor, was there anybody that you wanted to give Matt hell for? No, Herbert was the big one because I just looked at my board and saw you know, who was the noticeable one, and quarterbacks are always going to be that guy. Uh, He didn't make my top 32, and I think he'll be in a lot of top 32s, and I I get why there will be a team that will try to take him as a franchise quarterback, but uh, he just seems like a day-two player to me. Anyone you thought I was too low on? No, I don't think so. Not that's why I'm just good at my job, guys. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens when you get to uh, the top sixteen. Sorry if I missed it. Did Donovan Peoples Jones make that? He did cut, not. Man. I'll tell you. I have uh, DPJ at forty-seven overall. Okay, yeah. Because spoiler alert, he'll be thirty-two for me, and he's the player I'm the most torn on because the upside is gigantic, and he just they couldn't get him the ball the way they should have at that program. Yeah, so I, it's a tough, tough email. And the receivers for me, I, I've been asked a lot about the receivers in this class, and it's like, Do I you like, want to talk about one specifically? I don't want to talk about one specific one. But like K.J. Hamler and Justin Jefferson or Gabe Davis, like I really like those guys. And in a traditional draft yeah. class, they're round one players for me. Right. This receiver class is insane. 28 receivers were drafted last year. 35 is the highest since 2015. At some point, you have to say, like, okay, how many guys are going to get drafted and and how many are going to get drafted in, in each round? So, Mello, you're up 32 I'll, to 17. Yeah, I'll go 32 to 17. And I will tell you guys, I fucking love the running back class. Uh, so there's a lot of them. Yep. Uh, four of them going to make my list here. But I'm going to start with number 32 overall for me, and that's Tyler Biodash, center out of Wisconsin. Uh He's trending down, I will say that, but I feel like he's a safe pick when you get into the you know later end of the first round. You're looking at teams that probably need some interior offensive linemen, like the 49ers specifically, or sure, the Chiefs even <laughs> could go with interior offensive line, and he's going to be sitting there as the number one graded center in this class. He's 32 for me. Najee Harris, running back four, is sitting at 31 overall. Cole Commit, the tight Wait, end. Running back four? Yeah. Okay. Buckle up. (laughs) (laughs) I told you. Cole Commit, number 30 overall, the tight end from Notre Dame. Uh, Yeter Grossmatos, edge out of Penn State, is at 29. 28, Clavon Chason, and that is where I have a tie between those two guys on my list. Number 27, Xavier McKinney, safety out of Alabama. Number 26, I also like them receivers. LaVisca Shea Nault, he's wide receiver number six. I might need to double check those numbers for me. But, uh, <laughs> wide receiver out of Colorado, really like his athletic ability. Number 25, Tristan Wirfs, tackle out of Iowa. 24, Paulson Adebo, corner out of Stanford. 
23, A.J. Epinesa, Edge, out of Iowa. Number 22, another receiver, Justin Jefferson. I see you typing over there. Wide receiver (laughs) out of LSU. I really like his game. Number 21, J.K. Dobbins, running back, Ohio State. 20, Travis Etienne, running back, Clemson. I have those two guys tied right now. I really like both of their games. They're very different, but I like both of them. Number 19 overall, Andrew Thomas. Tackle out of Georgia. Running back two, Matt, I love him. I know you do too. Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin. And number 17 overall, Christian Fulton, corner out of LSU. Oh boy, am I ready for this. Okay, I think that you are too high on Jonathan Taylor. And I think you're too high on Travis Etienne. Jonathan Taylor had over 900 carries in three years of college. And he fumbled 18 times. And 900 carries. I know know the the carry number is high. That's a lot of wear and tear. And the fumble number is high. Now, I I do like Jonathan Taylor. I want to say that. I I like him. I think he deserves credit for how much he got better as a pass receiver this year. But that's just more touches. Like He he had like 976 touches in college. That's a concern for me. With Travis Etienne, I, I compared him to Chris Johnson. Travis Etienne is a guy I could end up being way too low on, even though I have a round two grade on him, because I feel like he is incredibly scheme specific. Now, if he gets in the right scheme where they're like, we just want a home run hitter with speed at the position, Travis Etienne is great for that. But he is not a very big guy, and there is not a lot of pop to his game. So I, I do. I have Najee Harris ranked above both of those running backs um, after a little bit of shuffling as of late. And I have J.K. Dobbins. Uh, as the number one back in this class. Really? I think the thing that jumped out to me is you're you're definitely a little lower on Tristan Wirfs and Andrew Thomas than the consensus. Yeah, I'm not in love with the tackle class. I think that both of those guys could come in at right tackle, but I, I think we're kind of making the left tackles more than what they are. I, I need to look I at that. them more. I like both. Andrew Thomas, yeah. I think he comes in and he probably starts as a rookie, but I don't know that he's that top-tier tackle that you want. Uh, reminds me of the guy the Redskins took a while back. Brandon Scherf. Oh, Brandon. <laughs> and he ended up playing guard. Like He reminds me of that yep. out of Iowa with Tristan Wirfs. Like, I see him pull from tackle. I'm like, holy shit, maybe this guy can move. But then I also see him get beat to hell by Gross Matos from Penn State, and I think maybe this guy's not the marquee tackle that everybody wants him to be. Yeah, I don't think that's crazy at all. No, I, like I look at Werfs, and I think he, he has a guard's body mm-hmm. and style of play. And I wonder how tall so, both of those guys are, too. If they're going to get knocked six, for Probably 6'4", honestly. Yeah. yeah, which is not tall for yeah. a tackle. And I, I want to defend my running backs, too. I don't know that either of those guys, Jonathan Taylor or Travis Etienne, I don't think they get drafted in the first round, but I think we will look back at this draft and say, how the hell did we let these two running backs fall to the second round? Like, I get it as a guy who watches the draft and talks about it that you probably don't want to take them in the first round, but I think both of them come come in and be very productive. Uh, The touches are a concern because 900 in college is a lot. But, you know, look at Zeke Elliott, Le'Veon Bell, Christian McCaffrey even had a lot of touches at Stanford. Derrick Henry at Alabama. Uh, Nick Chubb had a lot of carries coming out of Georgia, and he also destroyed his knee. He also led the AFC in rushing, I believe. So, I mean, he's right there. Yeah, Yeah, so uh, the touches are a concern, but... Is there anything to back it up that says, you know what, these guys are already worn down? Like, give me his first contract. Give me four years with Jonathan Taylor, and then I'll cut him free like people should have done, you know, with Zeke or some of these other running backs. I will say, uh, and I want to bring up one other play on your board. For me, with a running back, if you're going to draft him in the first round, they have to be a two-contract player. And I I know there's an argument right now that you never give a running back a second contract, which, which means maybe you don't draft him in the first round. But, like, I can't build around a player in the first round for four years. Right. They I just would can't agree do with it. that. So, and then one other guy, you are a lot lower than me on AJ Epinesa. And I know we've talked about him a little bit. Is your thing that he's just too much of a tweener because he's kind of an edge? He's kind of a, you know, a 6'6, 280. He might have to I'm play just, interior D line. Try, yeah, trying to figure out what is he because he's listed at an edge, but he's 6'6, you know, 280. Reminds me a lot of Solomon Thomas and Rashawn Gary. It's like, where the hell do you play these yes. two guys? Where can he be most effective? Can he come into the NFL and play for 10 years somewhere along the defensive line? Yeah, but you talk about second contract guys. Is he a second contract guy? Is he going to be that guy that can come in and get you 10 sacks? Or is he going to be a guy that can come in, play pretty well against the run, and get you maybe six sacks a year? I think that that is his floor. I I do have him, obviously, ranked fairly high in my top 32. He's 23 overall. I just don't know if there's that star potential that comes in where he's a marquee edge rusher. 
It's just been so good the last two years. Yeah, you you wonder if the flashes will convert to consistency, which is the biggest question with all the pass rushers in this class, not named Chase Young, right? Yeah. honestly. Yep. So, all right, I'm going to let it rip. Uh, 32, Donovan Peoples-Jones talked about him earlier. This is a potential pick, a ceiling pick, a deep wide receiver class. Uh, he's going to test very well, and I think he'll jump up boards after that. 31, Trey Smith, still waiting to see if he declares. He might, You might have that news when you're listening to this show because he said it'll come down to after the bowl game. He's a round one player with debatable medicals. That's going to be the big thing for Trey Smith, but he is really, really impressive on film. 30, Calavon Chason. Uh, listen, when you look at what Chason has done in some big moments, He's a traits guy as a pass rusher. He really is. I think the inconsistencies have made, I mean, before the season, we were talking about this guy as a top 15 player. Now he's sitting here at 30. So, you know, just got to put it, put it more consistently together. But pass rushers, they always get drafted high. 29, LaVisca Chenault. We talk about him every week. You know what he is. 28, Travis Etienne. I love Etienne's speed. Uh, his acceleration is absolutely insane. Matt made a good point that, you know, scheme will matter for him. But if he falls into the right scheme, this guy is a 1,400-yard kind of player. He really is. now, Especially now that he's catching the ball as well. 27, Trey Adams from Washington. Another big medicals guy on the offensive line. But I love what I've seen from him at offensive tackle, and he's a mammoth. You don't have to worry about length or, or height with this guy. 26, Tyler Biedish. I think he's been okay this year, but I think he's also been battling injuries, and I still think he's the top center in this class. 25, Cole Komet, top tight end. It's really no dispute right now for me. 24, J.K. Dobbins. Love what he's done this year. Absolutely great bounce back year, and he is a day one plug and play running back. Uh, 23 here, Kenneth Murray. Incredible speed for the linebacker position. 22, Jonathan Taylor. I'm a big fan. I think he's going to be very effective at the next level. The guy could do it all, and the wear and tear is not a gigantic concern for me. 21, T. Higgins. Go up and get the football kind of wide receiver. He'll help some quarterback at the next level. I think he's a great fit for the Bills. We've put him there on Mock Draft Monday a couple times. 20, Javon Kinlaw. A great year for him. He's going to go down to the Senior Bowl and wreck people. 19, Grant Delpit. A little bit of a fall for Grant Delpit. Had him in the top five to start the season. He hasn't made a lot of plays but I still think he could be really effective at the next level. 18, Dylan Moses, uh, the Lord of London. We don't know if he's declaring or not. I'm not going to take him off the board until we get this official news yet for Dylan Moses, but he's in the top 20 if he does end up coming out. 17, Justin Jefferson, you know, kind of came on uh, from under my eyes late. He has had a remarkable season and has been one of my biggest risers on this board. So uh, that's it, guys. I mean, a lot of wide receivers, a lot of running backs. That's where the meat and potatoes of this class really is the two that I'll say that I'm most different on you are the trays Adams and Smith and I I know like you said they're both big medical guys I I feel so badly for Trey Adams because I can remember three years ago it was like this is going to be a first round offensive tackle and then he has the back injury I've watched him this year and just feel like he can't move anymore. And I, I'm very excited to see him in Mobile because y- you can't hide anything down there. Well, you know, when we, no. when you get one on ones and we get into those pass rush drills, you can't hide anything. You don't have help. I actually, I really think the offensive line is actually kind of set up to fail in a lot of those drills, but that's good because I want to see if he can move anymore with Trey Smith. The blood clots are a concern. I'm not going to pretend to be a doctor, but that is is scary for me. I also wonder about Definitely. conditioning because he is a mammoth person, and like we've you know we've talked about individually um, about um, and I just had a brain fart about Mecky Becton from Louisville. But it's like sometimes guys are too big, and I wonder if Trey Smith is going to be a conditioning question. Yeah, and those are the two guys that I had a con- question about too. Uh, but Matt, you pretty much said it all. I do want to see what they can do. Uh, come senior bowl time. I think that the edge class isn't real sexy, but you have guys like Bradley and I and Terrell Lewis who are supposed to be at the senior bowl. Uh, hopefully they don't drop out. I think those could be some good matchups. Hopefully we can see them uh, on the same teams or at least see him go up against one of those guys. He should be in the North. So hopefully that puts him with Bradley and I, I think that's a very good matchup to look forward to at the senior bowl. Yeah. And on the other side, Connor T Higgins is the one that I am probably higher on than you. And we'll get into that after our break. When we, we get into my top 16, but what have you not seen from him that you want to see or, or what keeps him down on your board? I'm really curious to see how he runs number one, because when he wins on these 50 and 60, yard bombs a lot of the times I've seen 
some coverage lapses or just really poor defense where I'm not saying he's slow because I don't think he's slow. I just don't know. And then I also wonder when you're in that offense, you know, do sometimes they take away Justin Ross or are they worried about Travis Etienne? These are things that I personally just need to catch up on. And I think when I watch Higgins on broadcast, he looks like a top 25 player. When I watch it more of the all 22, he might look like a top 15 player. Those are the little nitpicky things. And I think it, that's why boards are so fluid. If Trey Adams goes down to Mobile and we're 10 feet away from the one-on-ones and he can't move side to side, he falls to the second or third round for me. It's as simple as that. So these are the things that I'm really excited to dive into in the months of January, February, and March that I just don't know where I'm at right now. All right, let's take a break. We come back. Top 16. So I just bit my tongue. Top 16s from all three of us. Top 16. (laughs) And me bleeding on my chin. This is great. (laughs) All right, it is time. Get out your pen and paper. Write this stuff down. Top 16 players from all three of us. I will kick this off. Number 16, Tristan Wirfs, offensive tackle from Iowa. 15, Grant Delpit, safety from LSU. Number 14, Andrew Thomas, offensive tackle from Georgia. 13, Javon Kinlaw, defensive lineman from South Carolina. 12, T. Higgins, wide receiver Clemson. 11, Henry Ruggs, wide receiver Alabama. 10, A.J. Epinesa, defensive end from Iowa. Nine, C.D. Lamb, wide receiver, Oklahoma. Eight, Jedrick Wills, offensive tackle from Alabama. My number one offensive tackle in this class. Seven, Tua Tungavailoa, quarterback, Alabama. Six, Derek Brown, defensive lineman from Auburn. My top interior defensive lineman. Five, Isaiah Simmons, linebacker from Clemson. Four, Jeff Akuda, corner, Ohio State. Three, Jerry Judy, wide receiver, Alabama. Two, and really, it's like 1B, Joe Burrow, quarterback, LSU, and number 1A, Chase Young, edge rusher, Ohio State. I feel like that's pretty cookie cutter. Yeah, a lot of those guys I agree with. One like the that, top five or six is like, oh, right. Gonna be the, same. the guy that I have that I'm higher on than you is CeeDee Lamb. Uh, I don't remember what I have nine. I, I have him at six. I'll go ahead and nice. say that. Do you think that he's getting close to that wide receiver one, or at least where we can consider a 1A, 1B. I know that I have them right there at five and six. I don't have them tied like I have with other positions. I still have Judy ahead of him. But are, how close are you with Judy and Lamb? I I can't. I can't put Lamb at number one. Every time I watch Judy, it's like I want to video it and send it to people and be like, this is what receivers should look like. Yep. You know, or outside of being Julio Jones, the burst, the footwork, how just everything is so clean. And then he will like body catch one or two. He just cooked against Michigan. Right. It's just like he's so beautiful in terms of his footwork, his burst, his agility, his balance, his body control. And I like C.D. Lamb a lot. I think my biggest concerns, like CeeDee Lamb's toughness is my favorite thing about him and how he he plays so much bigger than he is. But I feel like the Oklahoma scheme has limited his route tree. I don't like have you ever seen CeeDee Lamb beat someone like with speed? It's either he's wide open over the middle or he's contested over the middle, really. So I think the scheme is a question mark for me because we know he's not gonna run well. And so if there's with every player, we could play the game of if they bust, it will be because with C.D. Lamb, if he busts, it will be because he's not fast enough to separate and he needs to get into, you know, he needs to go to the New Orleans Saints where he can run slants, you know, like Michael Thomas, where Mike's not the fastest guy, but he's a great route runner. So he's he's OK. He can he can eat in that offense with C.D. I worry that he'll get somewhere like Oakland where they're going to say, well, we need you to stretch the field. And he's like, fuck, I can't do that. Yeah, I can see that. He just looks so dangerous, and he's able to get open. It could be scheme fit, but to be able to get open without the speed, I also worry, is he just beating the shit out of Big 12 corners? Uh, Because there are not a lot of those guys on my big board. So I do have some questions there with CeeDee Lamb. I think he's one of those guys where he's always open, you know, five feet above his head. It feels like that Mm -hmm. with him, where when he's not open, he still catches the ball. Whether it's snatching it away, whether it's side to side over his head, I, I'm with you. I understand why. Let's just call it what it is. I think CD Lamb's running a four five five, four yep, five. Four. I agree. I think that'd be a good day for him. I want. <laughs> I want. Yeah. I mean, he's like a four six five guy out of high school. So you assume with a little training, you could shave that down to a four five five. I want people to know this now. So the reactions aren't he falls out of the top five to the second round in people's heads when it happens because it's going to happen. 
Yeah. I mean, it was that way with Michael Thomas. We tried to condition people. He's not going to run in the four fours. And for me, it didn't matter. He was still my top receiver in that class. But it's like you need to, to have an expectation. Anyone else you want to? I have one question here? for you, Matt, because I left him off this, but he'll be in my top 16 if he does declare. There's just a lot of rumors he's not. Where did you have Devonta Smith? Uh, I had him. I had him in the second half, actually. So I That's had I him thought. at 25 overall. OK, yeah. So he'll be in my top 32 if he declares. It's just nobody. There's been so much smoke around him staying i don't know why yeah right. i have him at 37 overall so, yeah I, smith and rugs there's been a lot of buzz that they might stay and i i had rugs i think i'm a i think i'm higher on rugs than either of you i've met 11 overall oh i'm at um, 14 okay never mind then i think we're all about 11, the same yep. so um yeah but there's been a lot of lot of buzz there i'm glad that i can do a top 16 and you guys are like, I, yeah, honestly matt I, you were reading you it and okay. it was almost like i was looking at like we were very close, as we'll see. Mm-hmm. Very, very close. Yeah. Uh, we spend a lot of time together. Yes, the three of us do. So. All right, I'll read mine off next. Let's see who you Let's guys just roast, roast me mellow. For. Uh, number sixteen overall. Go ahead, write it down. C.J. Henderson, what? Junior <laughs> corner, Florida. I still love him, and kidding. I don't think you can talk me out of it. Number fifteen, Javon Kinlaw. Number fourteen, Grant Delpit. Thirteen, Kenneth Murray. Twelve. DeAndre Swift, I think he's going to be a special running back. 11, Henry Ruggs. 10, T. Higgins. 9, Jedrick Wills. 8, Tua, assuming he comes out. 7, Derek Brown. 6, CeeDee Lamb. 5, Jerry Judy. 4, Isaiah Simmons. 3, Jeff Okuda. 2, Burrow. 1, Chase Young. I don't really have anything to say. (laughs) I mean, the one for me is DeAndre Swift. And I... I've cooled on him, and I think I, I'll i be just transparent. Some of that is he's had a bad end of the year, and so there might be a recency bias of, I really like how J.K. Dobbins is playing. I really like how Najee Harris is playing. And with Swift, you got a guy who's not the biggest dude in the world, and he's got the shoulder injury, and he just hasn't been as much of an impact. You know, SEC Championship game, uh, the game against, uh, why did my brain just stop working? The game against Baylor. So it's just... I think I'm a little down on him because of what we've seen as of late. And it, it is a what have you done for me lately league. And so by the time we get to April, I could get back. I, I mean, I have DeAndre as my number two running back and he's number 19 overall. So it's not like, you know, you don't you like know, him. Super yeah. him. Right. I'm just I have questions, I guess. Yeah. The way he puts his foot in the ground and changes directions and, and his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield right. is what makes him. I mean, I comped him me. to Alvin Kamara. So I do like. Right. Him. I think he's like a poor man's Saquon. I think he's great. I mean, I I see the (laughs) the flashes that McCaffrey had for us Mm -hmm. with Swift. And so, So, all right, I'll let it rip then. (laughs) I want to ask real quick, Connor, Tamela, since we don't have a lot of differences in these, what, like, how clear cut is Joe Burrow as quarterback one for you? I guess that's how I'll phrase that question. Uh, He's not as, I'm not as solid on him as you are. I mean, you talk about him being 1A, 1B. It does concern me the talent that he has at receiver and the fact that it was a one-year thing. Now, Connor and I mentioned it on Monday. This is the best season I think we've ever seen a college football quarterback have. So he has that going for him. But how much of it is scheme with Joe Brady, with the receivers, the running backs, offensive line? Like Everything was in place for a fifth-year guy to come in. I think his floor is very high. I think at you're at least getting a very good quarterback that can come in and win you some games. I don't know if you're getting a Pro Bowl quarterback. Hey, he could be Andy Dalton. I think that's his floor. So that kind of concerns me. When I look at Tua, if he's healthy and when he's healthy, he looks like a special quarterback, not just because he's throwing up huge numbers to a great wide receiver core, but his ability to throw the ball accurately. If you can get him uh, in better condition, you can get him stronger and healthier. I think that he's one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen. Uh, listen, my take is Tua is the most talented quarterback in this class. That's it. Like, And I have Burrow ahead of him a little bit, as you'll hear. But I, if I hear Tua is healthy and ready to go, I'm. It's going to be a long couple months for me sitting there staring at it. I love Joe Burrow. He's great. He's phenomenal. I just I think Tua can be special, and this is, makes this debate between them such a headache. 
It really does. Yeah. All right. Trying right. to rip through it, buddy. All right. 16, AJ Epinesa. 15, Christian Fulton. 14, Henry Ruggs. Uh, 13, Tristan Wirfs. He's a guy that can you know go up or down. We'll see how measurements and things go. Another guy that could go way up or way down. 12, Yitor Grossmatos. Super high ceiling pass rusher. 11, DeAndre Swift. 10, Isaiah Simmons. 9, Jedrick Wills. 8, Andrew Thomas. 7, Tua Tungavailoa. 6, Derek Brown. 5, Joe Burrow. 4, Jerry Judy. 3, CD Lamb. 2, Jeff Akuda one chase young that is the highest i've heard cd lamb ranked uh, i don't consume a lot of draft contents maybe i'm not the best guy to ask but that is that seems really high for cd lamb yeah it's up there i mean him and judy i'm stacking them because i'm a coward three and four i don't blame you i mean that's no, no, i get it I, I love the honesty there and i was gonna say like oh that's really high on gross Matos, and i was gonna point out you liked Derek or you like brian burns last yeah. year more than i think definitely more than yeah, i did more than i, I did more than both of us do you feel like you're starting to develop a type? Like, I have a type at receiver. Everyone knows it. Do you think you're getting a type? You are pass Mr. Rusher? Type for everything. I have a type for everything. And That's you don't true. stray from it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think so. I, I think what Gross Matos, uh, when I do, like, a full film evaluation, I'll learn the little things. Like, with Burns, it went the opposite way. I had him sitting at, like, 24 for months. And then I watched him, and then he gained the weight at the combine, and I'm like, no, he's put everything together perfectly. I want to see Gross Matos do the same thing. Like, if he tests poorly, that would have a huge impact on my eval. But I don't think he will, and I think he already has the weight on him. So, yeah, I I agree. I definitely think uh, with pass rushers, I like the bursty, athletic, bendy kind of guys. It was the same with Carl Lawson for a while. He was a little, you know, tighter built, more compact, but he was a guy that could turn the corner and was explosive. But her yeah, with him if but injuries. Hurt. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. So uh, those are the two for me that, that probably stand out the most. I think the one player that you and I are most different on is Isaiah Simmons. Maybe that's because I'm leading the fan club. But you had him at ten. I have him at four. Yeah, I think he's great. I, I really do. I, I think, and I can't even sit here and tell you. Well, he's a linebacker. That's why he's at ten because he's he's every position. So I, I'm. I guess my fear with Simmons is. We have seen so many bonehead defensive coaches misuse players over the years with that are Swiss Army knives that I'm almost right. like, well, I hope he doesn't go somewhere with an idiot staff because they'll waste away what can be an exceptionally game-changing player. Yeah, I, I think with Simmons, like you were saying, you remember Minka Fitzpatrick with the Dolphins was like, hey, he wasn't playing he was well. A guy Goes there. to Pittsburgh, all fucking pro. You know, it's like so with with Isaiah Simmons, I. I definitely agree that I worry that God, please let him go to the right system. But I think you could say that about there are very few players in this class that are just, I think, like system breakers. We should almost redo our big boards after we see where they're. Driving. I say that every year <laughs> because like, yeah. guys are going to move up based on their oh, yeah. their fit. Like DK Metcalf, I had him late first. When I saw that dude in Seattle, I, like, can I put him at 20 now? Like, can right. I please move him up? Yeah, because yeah, he could run so. around, come back to the ball with a quarterback that gets right. out of the pocket. I, I totally exactly. get it. I, another yeah. thing, guys, that I want to make clear with this class, there are plenty of really good football players in this class. I think this thing dips the fuck off, like, kind of early. Yep. Like, if you're sitting there at, like, 18, you might be like, uh... Okay, I'm just going to take yeah. one of the receivers now because I don't want to take a average ass player in the top 20. Yeah. Or let me take a corner, you know, because like, okay, well, you can always use corners. Mello and I have talked a lot about this. The edge rusher depth is really bad in it's this horrific. class. And it makes me wonder if guys like Terrell Lewis, Gross Matos, uh, Zach Bond, Caleb on Chase on, if they're going to float up the board because the edge depth is really bad and i wonder if receivers will push down because of that of like okay i'll wait and draft because like what's the difference between justin jefferson and devonta smith like you know i think there could be a debate yeah. on which of those guys well, you'd rather have well you know? i think even you could go top end of that i mean how much different are t higgins and justin jefferson i i have them rated pretty differently but i think you're right we could see them kind of float down the board because there's so fucking many receivers or like uh lavisca shanault and brandon Ayuk. Like, I have, like, a 20-spot difference on those two guys. I don't know if they're that different. Yeah, I would agree with Here's that. the other kicker. Who's going to come out in free agency and give Shaq Barrett $20 million a year? Because The Buccaneers. They're sit- <laughs> they sh- I mean, right? They're sitting there, right. and they're going, well, we're not getting a pass rusher in this draft, so let's pay the guy we got. And, yeah, and I, he had 19 and a half sacks. Yeah, there's, right? a, there's so. a bunch of guys in the NFL that are probably going to be on contract years that are pass rushers. And guess what? I w- wish I was their agent right now. 
No joke. Quietest 19 and a half sacks ever. The Miami Dolphins should pay him, honestly. That's what I was just looking at. Move south. And then you don't even have to worry about will Chase on, will Gross Matos be available at 18. Yeah. And no state income tax in Florida, right? And he's already in Florida. There you go. Easy enough. Move to nicer Florida. Those are our big boards. Let us know what you think. Tweet at us. Ask Football. Leave it in your Apple Podcast review. We love to see those things. Let's take a break. We'll close this out with some draft on draft. We are back, and it is draft on draft time. And like Melo said at the top of the show, come to our meetups. If you want to experience draft on draft to the full, come to a meetup, Char Bar in Kansas City this weekend, the Senior Bowl, the Combine, the Super Bowl, because draft on draft, especially at the Senior Bowl, gets a little wild. And by the way, if you're a regular listener and you're wondering when the stickies are happening, we're working on it. Okay, we're getting there. I'm trying to find some trophies to order. All right, Pat Chamberlain, who is probably going to get one of those trophies, Ask. The calendar has turned to 2020 and everyone is doing best of the decade sports list. So I have to ask, what is the single best draft class from the past decade in terms of the NFL talent it produced? I read this question wrong at first. So So my answer was 2017 Saints. But that's not what he he wants like by year. Yep. Complete. Yeah. yeah. So I have my mind ready. So if you guys need to come up with I, one. I, off the top of my head, it's 2011. That's what I just That is the correct <laughs> answer. I think it's 2011. Way to go. <laughs> Matt Miller, yeah. Mondale, oh, and you have easily won. 2011. Uh, an amazing draft. You look at it. Cam Newton, number one overall. I, I know that he hasn't been playing that well as of late, but this guy that took his team to the Super Bowl uh, played very well. And then... Von Miller, number two overall. Marcel Darius, who fuck him, Alabama, but has had a pretty good NFL career, followed by AJ Green, Patrick <laughs> Peterson, said. and Julio Jones. <laughs> like those three guys, I don't know how AJ Green ended up getting drafted ahead of Julio Jones, but Pat Pete, Julio Jones, I, as of like two, a year ago, those are two of the best at their position still. And this is from the 2011 draft. There might be six Hall of Famers in the top 11. Von Miller. I think I don't think AJ Green is. Pat Pete is. Mm-hmm. Yep. Julio Jones is. Tyron Smith is, and JJ Watt is. <laughs> That's five Hall of Famers in the top eleven selections. Fuck, Mike Pouncey might be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I think and a, he's at fifteen. Even a guy like AJ Green might be able to get in because he's a good dude and he hasn't caused any problems and he's been a very good receiver. So I think that he's a guy that could sneak in. Mike Pouncey, Ryan <laughs> Kerrigan has been a good Hayward. edge rusher. Cam Jordan. I mean, even Nate Solder has been My solid. favorite thing about this class, too, is some of the gems. Like, Justin Houston went in the third round. Richard mm-hmm. Sher- Thanks to that Richard Sherman test. went in the fifth round. Richard Sherman is in this class. Like, Jason Kelsey yeah. in the sixth round. And then you look at, they're not in the draft class, unfortunately, but Chris Harris Jr. was a UDFA from this group. Uh, Doug Baldwin was a UDFA from this group. It's crazy how talented that year was. This was my first year. 2011 was my first year covering the draft for Bleacher Report. <laughs> You're like, holy shit, the yeah. draft is awesome. And I, I was, re- I mean, and Bleacher Report did too. They were like, we have a Heisman Trophy winner, Cam Newton. We have all, look at all these receivers, and like this is going to be. And I, this this probably really helped launch my career. How good this draft was. But one of my all time draft misses happened in 2011. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. Even I had Andy Dalton rated ahead of Cam. Newton. Ooh. I was not sure that Cam Newton, as a one-year starter at Auburn, would transition to the NFL. He had a lot of character concerns. A lot of character concerns. So I had Andy Dalton as QB one, Cam Newton as QB two. So yeah. oops. I, I'll tell you the worst draft in the history of the NFL draft is the 2014 so draft. 13, no, 13, 13, 13, 14 was okay. 13, yeah. yeah, yeah 13. Eric Fisher, number one overall. Yeah, that Followed senior bowl. Luke Jokel, Dion was Jordan. D. Milner. That, in that senior draft? bowl. I drank so much. Yeah, oh, yeah, he was. God. Yeah. Number nine overall to the New York Jets. She was like, oh, let's watch the – I mean, that that was the worst senior bowl experience Three Alabama players get drafted in a row. D. Miller, Chance Warmack, and DJ oh, Flute. No. Deion Jordan was in that draft. I, it was bad. It was a bad draft. I mean, when Ziggy Ons is the number five pick in your draft – you got like Lane Johnson might be the only good player yeah. from this draft. No, like Kenny Vaccaro is pretty good. <laughs> Eric Reed. This but, is I what mean, we're those selling are the players right now. Really the, draft. the top of the <laughs> draft. Right. <laughs> Travis Frederick. Zach Ertz in the second round, maybe. But, like, that's Le'Veon Bell in the second round. Uh, I didn't love him out of Michigan State, though. He was right? fat. He was, like, yeah. 245. Fat, Eddie Lacy was right. in this draft. We did this draft at a bowling alley that Boomer Esiason owns in Midtown Manhattan with Ray Rice. It was Ooh, me, God. Aaron Nagler, Mike Felder, 
and uh, Josh Zirkel and Ray Rice. Is that what on the internet r- somewhere? Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm the only one still employed in football. Of that. <laughs> That's not true. Nagler is. I'm just. I'm just trying to be funny. Nagler's great. He covers the Packers. Definitely follow him. All of you are, except yeah. for Ray Rice. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> right. Um, all right. All well, right. the uh, next one <laughs> from from RB. If Tua decides to leave Alabama, would it make more sense for Fromm to stay another year at Georgia to have a better chance to improve his draft stock and make it to the college football playoff? So I think that Fromm and Tua are on such different levels that they don't need to look at each other. Like, you know, Fromm's a five, Tua's a nine. Like, you're not on the same level, guys. I think Fromm needs to make his decision based on he needs to think more in the Jordan Love, Jacob Eason tier of where does he fit? In that group, but if there isn't like another quarterback added to the 2021 draft, you're already looking at Tua, probably Justin Fields, probably Trevor Lawrence. At best, Jake Fromm can be QB four in that draft. So I think if Tua does decide to go back to Alabama, if I'm sitting there and I'm Jake Fromm, I say I have to compete with Jacob Eason. I already beat him out once. Justin Herbert, Jordan Love. I'm going to compete with those guys because, I, I mean, I haven't done a lot of work on next year's group, and I'm, I'm sure that Jake Fromm's not sitting there saying who's coming out next year. But he could slide into the first round of this draft. I think next year when you're going to have three very good quarterbacks. Who are your three? I, you have Tua, okay, Justin t- Fields, yep. Trevor Lawrence. Jamie Newman's going to Oregon, it sounds like. you got to worry about that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he's got a lot of talent. I, I think I think Fromm I should I, leave. I'm leaning that way, but I think whenever, if it's next year or this year, like he's not, like everyone wants to look at Joe Burrow or Baker Mayfield and like the the rises that they had. They both, like Joe Burrow is, they're still outliers. Right. And Joe Burrow has better traits than Jake Fromm. Like Jake Fromm's 6'2 with a bad arm. Yeah. You look at like Drew Locke, who, uh, if he would have come out as a junior, probably would have been a second round pick. Goes back to Missouri to try to improve his draft stock. Has a pretty good year. It is still. <laughs> is a second round pick. Playing very well with Denver right now, but didn't really do much for his draft stock. I think when you get to quarterbacks, especially guys that are four year starters, kind of know who you are. Like, what more do I need to see at Georgia from Jake Fromm? Yep, I agree. Uh, this dude has two questions, which I love. Which three draft prospects would you select to make your all-decade squad for the 2010s? Uh, one offense, one defense, one special teams. I am going to cheat and go uh, first. Special teams is Justin Tucker. No, you fucking suck. <laughs> <Right>? no. <laughs> I mean, that's the easy one, right? Yeah, special teams, the greatest kicker of all time. Uh, if these are as a prospect or like with the hindsight of what we know now, obviously I, I would take Patrick Mahomes. But if I'm looking at him as a prospect, I hated him. So I'm going to say Andrew Luck was a very good quarterback prospect. And I'm just hoping that maybe he keeps playing football. So actually, because of my grading scale, I can look at this and see my top rated players in this era would have been Andrew Luck on offense and Von Miller on defense. Yeah. Or you could even go, I think, Khalil Mack on defense. So I didn't have him that I had him as like the number five player in that draft. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have him in that draft because I wasn't doing this. But I mean, just looking back from what we know now. So Clowney. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's Connor. Who are your? You've been doing this since like what 2016? Yeah, I would say I've been doing grading enough players to start in 2016. I think the highest guy on defense would be Nick Bosa. Ironically, I really do. I'm trying to think. Jamal Adams was close. Adam two that year. Nick Bosa was. What about Jalen Ramsey? No, nope. Jalen was like seven or six for me that year. It's probably Nick yeah. Bosa. Offense, I don't know. say. Uh, no. Would be Quentin Nelson. I had him number one. I had him number okay. one that year, and Saquon number two. Somebody tagged me in a tweet today, off topic, that said uh, the difference between Quentin Nelson at one and then the next guard is the largest gap of any position in football. Oh, uh, man, maybe. Now, who's the next guard? Who's? I mean, it's clearly Brandon Quentin Brooks, Nelson. and then Brandon Brooks. Yeah. Okay. So for any other position, I think he's probably right. This year, Stephon Gilmore at corner. But Trey White he, was so good. But even then, Trey White was very good. And yeah. even Jalen Ramsey, I think, once he bounces back yeah. and is maybe comfortable. I mean, in that the might defense. be. It might be the biggest difference. That's I'm a great question. Think. Yeah, I would. You know what? Miles Garrett is really high for me. As what? Uh, well, I'm looking back at, at old. Oh yes. Here. Yeah, Miles, Miles was, was a consensus number very one. Very high. 
consensus yeah. number one player. So it's true. Special teams. Okay. I don't right. know. Well, what to, I don't know what to say. It's Justin Tucker. It's just that's who it is. Uh, Roberto Aguayo. Anyone? Definitely not. Fuck nope. kickers. Nope. Okay. <laughs> Dakota Cox, my favorite little Alabama beat writer, is what? I did not know where you were going with that. <laughs> my favorite little Alabama beat Dakota writer. Right. Is what LSU is doing sustainable, or will their success all depend on if they can get a star quarterback to replace Burrow? I think, Dakota, as an Alabama fan, this is a good question for you. I think it depends on if Joe Brady stays, mm. uh, because you... Like we've talked about with Alabama before, Tua, it was like, oh, my God, if they could get a quarterback. Ironically enough, it was always the same deal with LSU. They got one. They went undefeated. And so I think it, it just matters. Are you going to keep Joe Brady? Uh, Orgron seems to think they are, which is fantastic. So if you keep him, you have a good, very good offensive staff, and you should be able to develop, if not you know, get the transfer-type guys in. So I, I think that... It is sustainable because LSU has been good for 20 years. This isn't a new thing. You know, when Nick Saban, they won a national championship. They've been close since then. You're always going to get talent because Louisiana is a hotbed for college football. You can dip into Texas. You can dip into Florida. So I think it is sustainable, uh, but how successful they are each year is going to depend on quarterback. Yeah, and I do think that eventually they're going to have to give Brady this offense and the title and a lot of money to keep him around. I don't know how much longer you can do that, and I don't know how much I trust Coach O to continue that success. So I do think it's sustainable. I don't think we're going to see LSU do a run like what we have at Alabama or you know schools like USC in the past. I, I do think that for the next couple of years, LSU is going to be looking to be one of the better teams in the country. Even, even next year, I think they're going to come back with a lot of talent, very good recruiting classes. And Miles Brennan has already said he's staying. He's, he's going to be a very good quarterback who we've already seen a little bit this year. It kind of reminds me of Alabama, not Alabama, Oklahoma. Uh, Back when they had like Jason White, like 90s version Oklahoma, when they were really starting to build things back. They just started getting all these quarterbacks. And it was Jason White, Josh Heupel, Bradford, and it's just continuing. So maybe that's what we see. Yeah, I think if anything, LSU was kind of underachieved this last decade. You know, after they won that championship, LSU recruits great football players. You look at all of them Mm -hmm. in the NFL. I mean, we just talked about some of them as Hall of Fame. You have Pat Pete there. I mean, obviously, Jamal Adams. They've had great, great football players. So now it's about as you guys said, keeping the staff and keeping this going, they're going to start stealing some recruits because of how legendary this year has been. So I think they're in a good driver's seat right now to be a top dog for a little while. And I'm excited to see what Miles Brennan looks like. I mean, kind of a different player from Joe Burrow, and he's a redshirt sophomore now, so we'll get two years of him potentially. So you have a little bit of time to try to get your guy. But I'll say, uh, as a Texas fan, you do get a little bit of a when Texas had Vince Young and it was like, oh, my God, we're going to be a dynasty. And then when Vince Young leaves, it's like, ah, even with Colt McCoy, they made it back to a championship, but it fell off. I could see that happening to LSU where you get the best player to ever come through your system and you win a natty and trying to recreate that is so hard to do. And you could be good. I don't think LSU will ever fall to where Texas was with Charlie, but. I think it's something that you have it's like to like Florida have to with Tim Tebow. Yeah. Like you got it. It was lightning in a bottle for a couple of years with LSU. Might be one or two. Or we'll see what happens with Brennan. And then you're right. Like they're always going to recruit offensive and defensive line linebackers. The skill positions will be there. I just don't know if you can keep it going like this on offense. Antonio Almeida, last question. What can we expect from some of the teams that don't have first round picks? Bears. Texans, Rams, Steelers are are the teams that right now don't. And I think with the Bears, they have two second-round picks. The, don't expect them to trade up. The Texans only have uh, one pick, I think, in the Jesus top 100. Christ. I don't think we're going to see them trade up. The Rams have the no Rams picks. will probably trade their entire right? draft before it. And the Steelers, I mean, historically are not uh, an aggressive team. They were last year, obviously, with trading up and then trading for Minka. But I think with Chicago, we've already seen Ryan Pace say that Mitch will be the quarterback. I think they're going to try to bolster that offensive line and maybe add a, a corner in the second round with Houston. That's also a team that needs to think about offensive line. They need to think about corner. They just locked up Whitney Merciless, so they're they're in good position there. The Rams, if they can't keep Corey Littleton, but a linebacker becomes a need, but that is it should be offensive line every pick that they have, and, and maybe edge with Dante Fowler. And then this, I think the Steelers are really interesting because do they believe in James Conner? What type of pressure do they feel to get a quarterback of the future? 
know, this is a team that I think Mike Tomlin it should be in the coach of the year running in the top two or three votes because of what he's done. But you have to start thinking about restocking. You know, James Conner was banged up a lot this year, so I would draft a running back at some point. And I, I think they have some dogs in that secondary, obviously, but I still think the secondary is a need. Yeah, and without having a first-round pick, I think that changes a lot for Pittsburgh. I think that if they had a first-round pick, then they would probably target a quarterback with the second, but they don't. So I don't know if they do roll the dice there. I think they're probably waiting to see how healthy has been Roethlisberger. How many more years does he plan on playing? I can't imagine it's uh, in two years. I think you have to have a plan in place for what are we doing afterwards because Mason Rudolph didn't work out, Duck Hodges isn't working out. You need another quarterback in there. I just don't know if they do it with the second. Yeah, I think when you look at the Steelers, uh, the sweet spot for them in this draft should be to get a running back. James Conner's just been so beat up this year, and they want to run the ball a lot. So I think they can capitalize on the value there. The Rams, I mean, they just trade all their draft picks, but they definitely need to get younger on that offensive line or honestly just better. So, I mean, you look at these groups, it's it's tough. Chicago's interesting because I think we're in that group that, we don't think they'll take a quarterback with one of those second round picks. I really don't see it. Yeah, I, it's. I think those teams are really interesting. Um, and I'm sorry, I misspoke. The Rams have 52 and 84. It's the Texans that have one pick in the top 100 at 57 overall. So not a lot of assets for those teams. All right, that is our show. We will be back next week. Everything is back to normal. Mello goes back to school. <laughs> we get back on our regular schedule. Sorry about that. Uh, Monday afternoon. Wednesday morning and Friday morning, stick to football. And guys, I don't know if you've noticed, look at the calendar. 18 days from right now, we will be in Mobile, Alabama for the start of the Senior Bowl. That day, ironically enough, January 20th, the deadline for underclassmen to enter and withdraw from the NFL draft. So it's going to be uh, an exciting next couple of weeks as we break down head coaching hires, all the moves that are happening in the NFL and college football. It's for Mello and Connor. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you soon. 